Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's five o'clock. It's five o'clock on the most listened to sports talk show for your ride home. What? what? It is time for the Falcons report. Guns it. Caught. Touchdown Atlanta in the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. You shall not pass. The five o'clock Falcons report. Oh, my heaven. The five o'clock Falcons report is brought to you by Jack Daniels. Make it count. Jack Daniels. Please drink responsibly. And sponsored by MD Anderson Cancer Center on Dukes and Bell. We are Dukes and Bell. We start off every day and every hour by saying, hey, man. We're getting a chance to hear from the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, Coach Sean McDermott, for the first time since this incident happened. Um, remember, closed locker rooms. Our guy mm. earlier in the week, Sal Capaccio, was telling us nobody was in there. So they didn't right. get a chance to talk to anybody. So Josh Allen addressing the media, uh, Sean McDermott. We're going to get some of this and let you guys hear it in regards to DeMar Hamlin, who doctors are saying he has made substantial improvements. And uh, I'm curious to hear what, what these guys are talking about. Because, again, guys, week 18 mm. is it. They got to play Sunday. Right. And, you know, we said this about the, the mental makeup and the – how this may affect some guys. Some guys can compartmentalize. Other guys can't. So I, I don't know how this will affect the Bills. By the way, they get the Patriots. Patriots are playing to play to get into the playoffs. Right. It's a big game. So we'll see. Uh, we'll let you hear more of that coming up. As far as our Falcons are concerned, we are playing to win our last home game, finish the season on a high note, continue to build the culture, and to get an idea of what Desmond Ritter can do. This is the last audition for Des. Fair or unfair? He got four. If I told you to get four opportunities of whatever it is you wanted to do, and these four chances may make or break your chance to do it for the rest of your life as a starter, because let's be honest, if the Falcons, for whatever reason, and I don't know if this is the case, I think that there is some belief there, Mike, but to what degree, I don't know. I think Coach said it yesterday. They believe they put a lot on him. But if if he's not the guy and you move in a different direction – I don't know if Desmond Ritter goes somewhere else. I think he wants to be the starter here. I think he's proven with the eye test that he can do it. I just don't know if we've seen enough, Mike. And who would you bring in? I mean, you know, you get into that kind of like rogue gallery of backup quarterbacks. That's why, you know, I'm super disappointed that Mariota, you know, just quit on this team because that's what he did, guys. You can spin it any way you want. This dude quit. And he'd be a nice piece to have next year because he does have some experience and he does have some similarities in skill set. But – I'm with you. I, I want like wanting something to happen, and because of the ramifications of cap and all the savings we'd get, it's a nice theory. It's a nice thought, but I got a feeling just based on our conversation with Arthur yesterday. I think Ritter is checking off a lot of the boxes he's looking for. I do too. You know, I, I think so too, Mike. And and again, what what is the most important thing that we talked about when Ritter took this job over? I told you guys I wasn't worried about wins and losses because at that point we right. really were, we were in, but we weren't out. You know, we weren't going to be in. It was leadership. 
It was his control and command of the offense. Guys, he hadn't turned the ball over. I mean, if you're going to tell me these are important things that you want, Mike, as your quarterback, has he passed those tests? That's just it. Not turn the ball over. Now, we've broken it down, the, uh, the sort of the schematics of the defense, and sometimes, you know, there's not that many targets for him, and that's why he's checking down on the running back. He's taking what the defense has given him. Look, yes, no, no fan out there is going to be happy with sub-200-yard passing days, mm. but if that goes along with no interceptions, you know, and, and the fact that our receiver core is kind of meh. You know, it just is. I hate to hurt people's feelings in that department, but it just is. The good news is he's got a bond with Drake London, you know, and, and hopefully that's something that can build on for next year. Imagine Kyle Pitts 100% healthy with him, and you go get another r- truly dynamic wide receiver or just somebody who's a real threat. And I want size. I think Arthur wants more size like the receivers he had at Tennessee. I do too. You know, and that's, that's what we thought. Bo, I always forget his name because he literally is the afterthought. Who is the Raiders wide receiver we traded the fifth-round pick for who's gone? Brian Edwards. Yeah, Brian Edwards. We thought he'd be that kind of guy, and he turned out to be a whole lot of But moving forward, he's not turning the ball over. You'd love to have a bunch of touchdowns right now. He does have a comfort behind victory on his resume. Not every rookie quarterback can say that for his three starts. No doubt. I, again, I don't want to spend the draft capital when we get to the spring on potentially getting another quarterback, but I said it earlier, and just to repeat that, we're going to let you hear Desmond Ritter and the Desmond Ritter report coming up here with Dave Archer. We're picking probably six to nine. That's that's the range, okay? Win-loss combined with wins and losses and, and where we could fall and how high we could go. But I just wouldn't – I don't want to do that. Mike, if you're telling me it's a sixth overall pick, I can go get one of these dynamic edge rushers, which we've blown opportunities in the past to go get. Make this defense better. Dean Pease has got this defense playing well <laughs> with what we've got. Imagine if we had star power. Imagine if we had two or three or four more guys that were just dudes that you add to A.J. Terrell, that you add to Grady Jarrett. That, that's what I'm looking to do. So hey. I, I don't want to, but if that is what we've got to do, Mike, saying he's the best quarterback on the board and we're sixth, we'll see, then you might have to. I mean, honestly, a team that has not really hit on a defensive end slash edge rusher since the early 2000s in Patrick Kearney. If you're honest, drafting, drafting. Yes, I mean Vic Beasley was a guy that you know he he popped for that one year, and you know that's it just never went anywhere. And then Vic, you know he's out, he's out, he's out, he's bouncing around now. I mean, I know he's going to be he's playing in the XFL or whatever the hell he's doing this year. So I mean that's that's where it's at. The XFL. You know, guys like Rashid Hageman and Tack McKinley, whether they're first or second rounders, guys who just don't go anywhere with this team. So. This is one, and guy asked me, it was funny, uh, yesterday at the gym, uh, there's a guy, Walter, who's a big Falcon fan, him and his son, his son's back from his college, they're hanging out, and they're big Falcon fans, and he said, you know, what are we going to do? And I said, you got to get edge rush. And he was saying, you know, what do you think about Ebicady? Because I know you, you liked Ebicady. I do. Has Ebicady shown you? i got to be honest, I thought he'd be a little bit further along at this stage. I'm, I'm not throwing him out because we like what we're seeing at times, but Ebicady to me is a, a little bit of a disappointment right now. Because so, was that second tier, second tier edge rusher. And you know what? We get Chuck on tomorrow, right? We got Chuck Smith on tomorrow. And I want to ask Dr. Rush about this because I think he trained Arnold a little bit before the draft mm. and, and was very high on what the potential could be. Is there a reason, Mike, that maybe he hasn't had as much production with what's been going on? I don't know. We'll ask Chuck that question tomorrow. Mm. He's going to join us. Let's hear from our quarterback, Desmond Ritter. It's the Desmond Ritter Report, guys, with Dave Archer. Des, get to close out the season against a division rival in Tampa. 
you were preparing to be the starter all the way back in week five, weren't in the game, but you prepared to be in the game. What do you remember about that game, and does any of that carry over? Yeah, obviously, you know, it was a close game. Came all the way down to the end to the last drive. Um, and, and, you know, all of it carries over. You know, we, you know, a lot of these guys remember a lot of things that happened, um, even from previous years, but definitely in the same year. Um, so guys are hungry and ready to get back out there and ready to work. As you throw the tape on and look at them over their last four games, whatever the cut-ups look like, what, what, what do they look like? What sticks out to you about this Tampa defense? Yeah, try to be confusing. Um, definitely try to, you know, slow the quarterback down and get after him with a rush. Um, whether they bring, you know, three or five up front, um, they're always coming after you. Um, and like I said, try to confuse it in the back end to just, you know, get you a tick slower to have the rush get to you. You guys heated them up with the run game last time, albeit back in, in early October, but you ran for over 150 yards in the game. How much do you think that that influences what they're going to probably try to go do? Even though, and you've been doing it all year long running the football. You know, at the end of the day, you know they got to play their game too, as well as we play ours. Um, and you know, they obviously knew that. You know, we've been running the ball well all season, um, so I'm sure that's a, a key aspect for them, is obviously to stop the run. Um, but you know, it's just a challenge for our guys to go up there and uh, you know dominate the run game and move the line of scrimmage. You've looked extremely comfortable since you stepped in three weeks ago. Um, I think part of that is because of your experience in college. But tell me where you are in your mind as far as the comfortability now as you get ready to start for game four. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm pretty comfortable within, you know, the whole system and everything that we got going on. And it really just goes into preparation throughout the week. Um, as long as, you know, not only myself, but all the other guys around me are preparing and, you know, to do their job on Sunday, Saturday, whatever it may be, um, you know, we're going to be successful. And so, um, you know, we come out there with the confidence on, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of practice, and we're going out there and executing. Uh, you know, it's going to be a good day on Sunday. Good Christmas for the little one? Oh, great Christmas. You had a blast. That's awesome, man. Thanks for your time, man. Go Thank you. Win. Thank you. Desmond Ritter. Um, and he's got a little girl. That's uh, obviously, if you're not aware, I think, you know, I don't even know how old she is. Uh, Bo, but a few months old, maybe. I'm not sure how old his daughter is. But, Mike, when you hear him, we've said this, he sounds like a guy that is ready for the moment. And... I don't know if the stats, if they're not enough for you guys, and they may not be. I mean, has he thrown for 300 yards? No. Mm. But if that's all you're going to base this on, I think you're just looking at the wrong things. Yeah, I mean, if you go to when Tannehill got his resurgence, when they had to bench Mariota, Tannehill's a guy, a solid, if not spectacular, delivery system. They had A.J. Brown. You got Derrick Henry. Now, I'm not comparing Tyler Algier to Derrick Henry, but you got a, you got a solid running game. Hey, he goes 100 yards, he has 1,000 yards. on. I know it, it's if you extrapolate it over the 17 weeks, it's not the same as what Walter Payton or somebody else did. But for Falcon fans, a thousand yard receiver, somebody get pretty excited about. It is, it is, you know, or at least a thousand yards from scrimmage. Period, right? For yeah. a guy like that, we, I think we all, you, you saw it early on at camp, and he's been money. He's been good, man. Four zero four seven four one zero nine two nine. It's our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line. You are more than welcome to hit us up. Coming up in less than ten minutes, you're going to get a chance to hear from David Pollock, ESPN College Game Day. What is he thinking about the frogs and the dogs on Monday night? Interesting breakdown also of where Kirby is with his coaching tenure, man. And, mm. and you know, Pollock talks about developing this on the job. When you hire guys, you got to be willing to allow them to make mistakes on the job, Mike. Mm. But the reality is Kirby hadn't really made a whole lot of them. The one that you continue to talk about, and I think it's fair, which was the fake punt in the SEC championship game, bad call, bad timing, all of mm. that stuff. 
But I also think the, 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 the maturation process of Kirby Smart and where he is now versus when he took this job, right. completely different place. Right. So we'll get all that from David coming up. Real quick, a couple guys hit us up on the text line earlier. They said, what if Max Dugan would be there in the second or third round of the NFL draft? Would you take a flyer on a guy like that? Ooh. I just read a breakdown from The Athletic saying a lot of NFL scouts feel he's too inconsistent and he misses as many good throws as he makes. Okay. And that he would be a uh, certainly a day two, would not be a first-round pick in, in Duggan. And they say that uh, the guy, Will Levis, his name keeps popping up. It does. Now, he's a first-rounder. And he's a first-rounder because he has the uh, the makeup of what a lot of teams look for when right. you're drafting a quarterback. He's big, big arm. You're going to say, well, you didn't win nothing. Don't get mm. caught up in that. A lot of guys are saying, uh, they, again, this from the Athletic, they're talking to personnel people around the NFL just after the uh, semifinal games that uh, C.J. Stroud certainly improved his stock, but a lot of scouts would love C.J. Stroud to go back to Ohio State and work with those receivers and get continuous accuracy. That's okay. not going to happen, though. He's coming out. Yeah, because, listen, you always ask the question, who was it who went back to school? Who am I thinking? Matt Liner? Was it Matt Liner who went back? Yeah. Yeah, and, like a graduate student at yeah, USC. And, and sometimes when your stock is as high as it is, is he going to play better than he played against the Dogs in that right. national semifinal right. game to increase his value for next year, even if Ohio State runs the table? And then conversely, a guy like Mark Sanchez or Pete Carroll said it was it, Pete Carroll is on record saying you can't go to the NFL, you're not ready. And uh, he, he had the benefit of going to a great Jets defense. Sure did. You know, went to an AFC championship game, but at the end of the day, what are you known for? Butt fumble. That's true. Yeah, I, I just think if you're CJ, you got to go. Uh, the value is there. Mm. We'll see how this plays out. We got a lot of time, guys, to discuss all this. I just want to win on Sunday. Yeah. I just want to win on Sunday. And by the way, just uh, looking, I was looking at the list as we were hearing the Archer conversation with Desmond Ritter. What about a guy like Jacoby Brissett as a backup next year? That interest you? He's a free agent. Yeah, because he's got experience. Here's what I don't want. If you're going to go with Ritter, I don't want somebody. And, you know, we did this for Matt Ryan for years, right? Not challenging him. You didn't bring in anybody that was going to take the job, but you knew he was capable. You know, Matt Schaub had had led the league in passing. He had been a very good, capable quarterback. He was there, and we used him at times, and Matt was out. But Matt didn't miss a lot of time. Mike, that's the kind of guy I want. I don't want a guy that comes in here and goes, yes, my job. Yeah. I'm trying to build with this guy. Right. And that's a guy like a Brissette wouldn't be a bad – again, Mariota was here. Decided if he had another option, could have stuck around. True, he that's quit, true. But he quit. He did quit. I'm still mad about it. Hey, man, I want to see Ritter throw. Give it, get, let Ritter get a damn touchdown against the Buccaneers. We're going to find out at 6.20 today. Our man Rick Stroud down at Tampa Bay. Are we going to get the best Bucs team, or are we going to get the, the other guys? I think we're going to get the other guys. I, I just think we're going to get the other guys. Right. By the way, we've got uh, Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, Bills head coach. Obviously, Josh Allen, quarterback of the, the Bills. Turtle was just telling me Josh Allen has been praising the Bills medical staff. Mm. Something you were talking about as to their reaction. Um, uh, this is the first time we've heard these guys right. speak. So, again, all that emotion and things that were happening, this is the first time you're hearing the quarterback and the coach who were in that moment talk about what was going on with their team. Well, we're going to play a little bit of it for you a little bit later on coming up. But next, David Pollock. Who knows football more than David Pollock? Not too many guys. And he knows the dogs as well as anybody. Wait till you hear what he says about TCU next. Then our buddy, David Pollock, ESPN College Game Day. Pollock, man, appreciate you. We know it's always a busy time for you uh, this time of year. I want to start with Jalen Carter. Why was he not impactful in that national semifinal game? And what do the dogs need to do to make him impactful in the national championship game? I thought uh, Ohio State did a really good job with their scheme. And and when I say that, I thought they did a really good job rolling the pocket, 
uh, moving the quarterback. I thought C.J. Stroud did a good job evading Jalen Carter um, several times. So still impactful in the run game, but as a pass rusher, he wasn't as good. And I think a lot of Georgia fans, he was held. There's holding on every play. Right. That happens every single play. We, we, I mean, offensive linemen, I, I went against them. They're cheaters. That's what they do. That's who they are. That's how, that's how they make their living. Um, so I, I think that um, – I expect Jalen Carter to continue to he'll, he'll continue to play well, but the passing in the secondary was a big concern, and um, you know outside of Ringo, it was a it was a big struggle bus in coverage for Georgia and TCU's coming in with a lot of good receivers and a really good quarterback, so definitely got some things to fix in the next uh, whatever many days left till the championship. And, and David, we were wondering uh, how does the TCU offensive line match up with what I mean? The Ohio State line was big. Can TCU do some of the same things, or are they going to man? They're going to be able to man up against those dudes TCU's line is better than Ohio State's um I, I thought Ohio State was was really just average at, at, at center and two guards I think they're really average at both tackles um much better than TCU's but as a whole I think TCU's got at least two guys up front that'll get drafted um they got a really 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 good guard uh, their scheme allows them a, a lot of space because the quarterback runs and the motions and, and, and all the spread elements of their offense and with tempo. So, I mean, listen, they, they got, when you look at their, uh, their players, they got a, they got a receiver dude that's going to be drafted the first, the number one receiver off the board. They, they got a quarterback that's going to be drafted. They got a running back. That's a top five running back in college football. They got an elite guard. They got a, a really good offensive line. There's a lot of things about, you know this TCU offense that's gonna that's gonna make you play really really well. It's gonna it's make you watch tape and go, okay, I got a lot of respect for these guys. They're not just a Cinderella story. They also have the Thorpe Award winner at corner. I mean, David, they got players. That's the thing. I mean, you you know, and he's by the way the nephew of Ladainian Lee and Tomlinson. The kid can play. He's a top corner. So all those things make you go. Ah, what kind of challenge is this going to be for Georgia and offensively? Are you concerned about that stretch that we went through with Stetson Bennett? I don't know. It was 30 minutes. I don't know how long it was. And then it was like the team woke up offensively. Are you concerned about something like that happening on Monday night? Well, first, they got two good corners. You know, uh, I mean, Tomlinson, you know, Hodges Tomlinson is, is, is really, really good. Um, he's one of the, He won the Thorpe Award for the best corner in the country. And then Josh Newton on the other side, number 24, he's really, really good. Here's what I'll say about their defense. It's very unique. It's very different. It's a three-three-five, so a lot more DBs on the field. Um, the 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 thing that okay, if you talk to any coach in America and you know football, the number one way to attack that is to have really good inline tight ends. Because mm-hmm. when you so so when they built this defense, guys, this defense was built in the Big Twelve. Why? What do you see in the Big Twelve every week? You see spread. You don't see Smash Mouth. So. I think the, uh, the importance of Darnell Washington being a big deal in this game. I mean, he gives you such an advantage in this matchup. The, the area to attack on TCU, their slot defenders are not good. And Michigan destroyed him. Roman Wilson had a huge game. A lot of success in the slot where, ah, I think that guy, what's his name, Brock Bowers? Yeah. He's pretty good. Lad McConkey, pretty good. Arian Smith, pretty good in the slot. So if you're going to attack this defense, I think you attack it in the slot, like you saw with Georgia. Listen, the, the number one thing coming into the in the Peach Bowl, I, I, we all talked about with Georgia's offense. They're just streaky. I, I mean, there's there's spells when they can't miss, and they're hot as can be, and, and they're the best offense in the country. And then there's times where 
they look like they're lost and they don't know what to do. And, and Stetson had a, had a, a couple drives in the third quarter that I was like, crap, what the heck is going on? And then in the fourth quarter, he goes 10 of 12 for 193 and two touchdowns. Like right. he's superhuman. So I, I definitely think it's a, it's a real concern, you know, the up and down, I think Georgia getting challenged, Georgia getting, you know, having a lot of success on uh, offense around him. You're not playing Marvin Harrison Jr. again, by the way. Johnston is the number one wide receiver in this draft, and Johnston is not close to as good as Marvin Harrison Jr. That dude is otherworldly good. He might be the best receiver I've ever seen to come out in college football since I've been covering the game. That's how good that sucker is. Wow. It is the three-time All-American in Georgia. David Pollock with us here, guys, on the WaitForIt.com hotline out in California. So what did you make of Kirby's comments about uh, Stetson? And was Stetson so far off script that it, he warranted being scolded in the postgame? Or is it just like a marriage where you have these little little spats? I think it was awesome. Uh, I, I just think it's it's so, it's so on brand for Kirby Smart because Kirby just, Guys, I went over there a couple weeks ago for practice, and me and my high school coaches over here from North Dakota, and we went in all the meetings and stuff. And I just think that I don't know that anybody does it better in America than Kirby of being dialed into every single meeting, whether it's special teams, whether it's offense, whether it's defense. And he is going to bust your flipping balls. He is going to absolutely you, – you cannot play for Kirby Smart – if you got thin skin mm-hmm. and, and, and I think that stretch that was, was, you know, a, a third quarter that was very pedestrian for Stetson, it bothered him and he wants him to play in rhythm. The, the first drive of the series of the, of the game, he put at a great drive, you know, you got a third down opportunity and he, he pulls the ball and wants to keep it and, you know, makes it, makes a, a little bit of a mistake. The interception makes a little bit of a mistake, you know, some bad throws, you know, in that third quarter. And, and I think that, you know, Kirby, just like any, any other coach, but actually more so than coaches, he expects you to do what you what your coach to do consistently and not go through those lulls. And, you know, listen, as a Georgia fan, Mike, how many times over the past six, seven years since Kirby's been there have we played better than the opponent and lost right. and had to walk away with our tails tucked between our legs and it really, really sucked? <laughs> A lot. How awesome is it that you didn't play your best game? You thought you got beat. You felt like you got beat. When in reality, you missed two field goals. You outrush them. You outpass them. You lose the turnover battle, and you still find a way to beat a great team. Like it's a good feeling when your when your coach demands that much of you. In the press conference afterwards, he's like, "I didn't play our best game. You know, probably shouldn't have." Maybe should not have won this game, but we made enough plays in the big-time moments to walk away and to win the game. And also the maturation. I think coaches go through a learning curve, Dave. The maturation of Kirby as a head coach, you know, the, the fake punt with Fields to stopping a fake punt with that timeout that was so crucial that they got to him. And, and it's interesting. Like, we, we don't give these coaches – like, Kirby's 47. Y'all know what age Nick was when he won his first championship? How old? He was 57 years old. Wow. Like, Kirby's – Kirby's learning all of this on the fly and his clock management has left a lot to be desired over the years. He's made some mistakes and, um, you know, almost made one in the, in the peach bowl, by the way, I thought they should have ran a little bit more clock before they, you know, went in for the touchdown for the score, but the, the, the timeout on the fake punt, I mean, what a timeout, like, is that the greatest timeout called in the history of college football? I mean, I, I think you've definitely seen, you know, maturity and you definitely see a, a willingness to let it rip more on offense and be more 
aggressive and, and you've seen it, and you do. You gotta allow time from that. Mike, you can't jump on the radio at whatever age. I mean, you know, I jumped on the radio with you and I sucked. I was absolutely awful. Like you've got to any profession, any job. Nobody started day one and was ready for that job. Like it takes time to to develop. It takes time. The best teacher is always experience. And I think getting experience all over the years. Same thing with Ryan Day. Ryan Day's been learning on the job, and, and he's taken some lumps along the way. And you saw, I think he called his his best, most aggressive game he's ever called, you know, in the Peach Bowl. So we all take for granted, you know, where coaches are at, and uh, especially Kirby, just, you know, he was, he's his first head coach at, you know, 40, 41 years old and has been learning on the job while still – being in the national title game now three out of the last six years and two other years finishing fifth in the final polls. You know how David Pollock's big time? You know how I know? He just said Nick. <laughs> That's right. He just referred to Coach Saban as Nick. You know when Nick won his first one? That's how I know you're big time, Pollock. Let me ask you about the Chambliss injury. Um, how big of a deal is that on the defensive side if he's not 100%? I don't think he will be. Chaz Chambliss, you're already down edge rushers. Marvin Jones has been playing a lot there. What do you think? how that affects them defensively up front? No, it 100% affects you. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, taking the majority of the snaps since Nolan Smith, your, your other backer got hurt. So you're, you're on your third string guy. Uh, so obviously, you know, your depth starts to get challenged. Shoot, we were dropping like flies the other night. I mean, you know, thank goodness Williams was just cramped. Michael Williams was just cramped. By the way, do you see that sucker? Number 13, Michael Williams. He can play. You, not, not only can he play, He's the next superstar. Like, that dude, he, he's got a motor. He's got height. He's got quick twitch. Like, that dude's going to be an absolute freaky Friday athlete um, in the future and pass rusher. So, I, I think that it, it's going to be a lot of younger guys, you know, stepping up and uh, guys that you haven't heard of, like, you know, Michael. But, um, listen, Georgia's got – they've recruited an elite level, and that really, really helps. Right. And it's next man up, and it's the way it works. You got to deal with injuries in the season. But the Darnell Washington injury against you know TCU is, is a big deal. But you recruited you know highly recruited Oscar Bell, you know. So I think this is what you're this is what you try to build. You try to build team, and you try to build as much talent as you can because you know along the way you're going to take hits on that depth chart, and it's just the way it works. All the things you just laid out, Dave, you think is a high-scoring game? I know I, I've taught you how to gamble, too. Uh, 62 and a half, so it's going to go over, right? It's be a lot of same, – same as what we saw against Ohio State? I mean, it, it's crazy to watch, you know, both semifinals and watch points palooza and, and watch close games, which, the way, covering the, the semifinals for all these years now, it's really nice to actually have good games because most of the time the games suck. So it was fun to have, you know, two competitive games – I do. I think it's got a good chance to be high scoring. I think both teams, you know, are going to have to have answers to some riddles to solve. Like, you know, Lasseter, he struggled last game, big time. Um, actually, the Georgia's defense, I think, I don't know if the stat or not, but it was, it was a stat that kind of blew me away. Because people talk about Ringo, you know, rightfully so. He's been beat some this year, been targeted a bunch for being a, a top corner. You wouldn't think he'd probably target, targeted as much as he is. Last week, C.J. Stroud, listen to this number, guys. When targeted anyone else besides Keely Ringo was 16 of 17 for eight for 279 mm. yards and three touchdowns. Mm. Like, that's very ungood, okay? <laughs> and then tar- uh, targeting Keely Ringo, six for 13 for 69 yards and a touchdown. So, 
you know, Lassiter and company and Bullard and Malachi Moore and, uh, you know, JDJ, all these guys, past, past coverage is going to have to be better. C.J. Stroud, what did he do? A lot of scrambling, a lot of running. Max Duggan is a lot better than C.J. Stroud at that. So, you know, Georgia's going to have to find some answers. So I do expect TCU to put some points on the board, but I, I expect Georgia's offense to get hot. And if it stays hot, obviously they'll win a national title. Pollock, last thing, man. You remember last year after you guys, after we won it, and I said, yeah, I want another one. You said, you want another one after 40 years? Yeah. <laughs> this is where we're living right now. I want another one. Hopefully they can do it on Monday night, man. You're the best. Appreciate you joining us. Hey, man, I thought it was greedy as crap. I still think it's greedy as crap. And, and to think, guys, just think about it, man. You just got 15 players drafted. Nice. 15 players. And to be back in the national championship spotlight and to be here and to be undefeated and to be what and to do what they've done, it's just silly. Like Georgia is the new standard. Three out of the last six years you're in the national championship. Right. You know, you got a chance to go back to back. Like Georgia fans out of all those years and all the heartbreak, like it's got to be really, really fun. It is fun. I'm a Georgia fan, so it is yeah. fun. It's a lot of fun to know every week your team is really, really good, and you go get two in a row, man. You're an elite company. I guess Kirby doesn't do rebuilding years like Nick. Stop. <laughs> no, no. And listen, hey, let's be honest. Nick don't do much rebuilding anymore either, bro. He ain't been doing that in a hot minute. So. That is David Pollock, guys. ESPN College Game Day. Great stuff from him on the dogs and TCU. When we come back, they finally spoke today, and we're going to let you hear a little bit of it because you get a chance to hear what his teammates were going through and what they were thinking with DeMar Hamlin. It's Dukes and Bell on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You heard from David Pollack. We're going to continue to break down this game tomorrow. Monday, by the way, special programming, as Mike and I will be done at 6. We'll have college football game time. And then after the game on Monday night, we'll be telling you more about this. Uh, you'll be able to call in. We'll be taking calls here on 
92.9 the game. Now, I say us, not Mike and I, but um, Oren is going to be taking phone calls on Monday night. And I think, Mike, the reaction to potentially another national championship is going to be incredible. And I can't wait to come back in here on Tuesday at 2 o'clock and be talking about, you know, the fact that we got back-to-back. And, yeah, I'm greedy. You heard David Pollack say, you know, he thought it was greedy of me. This is where we, we are. This is where this program is. So uh, more on this game coming up. But we want to let you guys hear for the first time some of the reaction from the Buffalo Bills, Mike, and the DeMar Hamlin um, situation. Now, for, for listeners who are just joining us, doctors today spoke with the media. They actually had like a press conference, guys. Um, and they basically said that, you know, Hamlin, who's 24 years old, is able to move his hands, his feet. Mm. He's unable to speak because, as Mike said, they got the, the tube down his throat. But, right. Mike, he, he seems like he is making real improvements here. Yeah, they're going to keep the ventilation tube in from what the doctor said, but he was able to understand what is being said to him. And as the doctor put it in ultimate layman's terms, yes, not only the lights are on, and he is home. And he was able to write. And the first thing, as you said, Carl, the question was asked, and he said, did we win the game? He wrote that down. He was able to use paper and pencil and write that down. So... I mean, that's, uh, that's amazing stuff. A lot of kudos and, uh, and accolades going out to the, med- the, the medical staff, the training staff of the Bills that we mentioned earlier for being so quick to see and, and, again, understand the nature of the severity of it and get to it. Let's hear Sean McDermott. This is the coach of the Bills. First time anybody's spoken from this Bills organization. He was asked about the impact this has had on the team. It's amazing to, to know the impact that this has had on um, so many of so many people and for now DeMar to be awake and his mom to be able to share that with him is it's incredible you hear the emotion because it's still so it's real. I mean, I don't even know how to describe that, Mike. Sometimes, you know, you just think, well, uh, they, they would be over it. Listen, everybody grieves differently. Everybody takes these situations on differently. Let's hear Sean McDermott talk about whatever happens with the seating. Okay? And Mike and I discussed this yesterday. The NFL still has a decision to make. Rumor on the street is, Mike, they're not going to make this game up. They're just going to go off the, the percentages. Probably Kansas City gets the number one seed. That is what's being pushed, at least right now. No definitive decision has been made, but Sean McDermott, the Bills coach, was asked about this because, guys, it could have been, and it still could be if they make this game up, the Bengals could have the number one seed, the Bills could, Mm -hmm. the Chiefs could. There's still a lot there. Here's what he said in regards to the seedings. It pales in comparison to what unfolded, and we're talking about human life, and that's, that's the most important thing. We talked in the locker room. Uh, after uh, after we went into the locker room and I, we brought that up and said, you know, the ramifications could be X, um, knowing who was playing that night and what's with the seating and all that. Um, but it was overwhelmingly in favor of doing the right thing for DeMar and for the players in the locker room. Uh, on both sides, not just the Bills, but also the Bengals, and uh, felt strongly about that and still do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough situation because you've mentioned it. You've got all these scenarios. There's the the unlikely one where the Bengals could be the number one. The most likely, though, because Buffalo and Cincinnati, don't, they both have the tiebreakers by virtue of beating Kansas City head-to-head. And, again, this is purely from the, you know, I'm not talking about the human toll, just talking about the football side of it. It's 
it's compelling to so many fans because this is this is the big time playoff race that everybody wanted to see coming down to the wire. So the, the only options, Carl, and we discussed all of them yesterday, the one where you'd push the season back and have the NFC playoffs and this game played doesn't seem likely. Then there's one where they'd give you know give the Chiefs the option. Would you like to be the one or the two seed? Well, it'll be the one seed. There's just some of this stuff is just it's hard to process without actually playing, getting this game in. That's the thing. That's the reality of it. How else do you decide fairly and equitably who's going to be the number one seed, especially in a year where, again, as Sean McDermott just said, it takes a back seat. But this was the year where Buffalo was going to finally have the game in their building to decide who goes to the Super Bowl. And, and Bo just said this. How important is this buy for either one, either one right. of these teams? You know, how important is this? Well, Vaughn Miller, they're trying to get Vaughn Miller back in the, in the, in the lineup. I just, but, amongst others. But would you rather go to Kansas City on, in an AFC championship game or have a, or have a bye? Because personally, mm. I know the bye is great and all, but screw that. I want, him, I want, I want the home. playoffs to come through right. my home field. You because, want Patrick Mahomes to show he can win. He's never won a playoff game on there. Never had to. He's yeah. always played them in Arrowhead. Yeah, and, and I saw, I've seen people online saying, well, the, 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 the Chiefs should automatically get their number one seed because mm. it's not their fault. If it, the, that's fine and dandy to say that, but if the Chiefs wanted the number one seed, they should have beat both these teams. And that was Mike's point the other day when Mike was talking about you got, these games have been decided. You cannot go back and say, well, they, they didn't win or they did win. Let's hear one more soundbite, and it's from Josh Allen. Again, it's Dukes and Bell at Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. First time the Bills, from a press conference standpoint, addressing the situation with DeMar Hamlin, who seemingly is doing so much better, at least today, is what's being reported. Here's Josh Allen. He's... In the locker room, he is the happiest dude. You know, we play basketball, uh, a little knockout before walkthroughs on Saturdays. Uh, he's got a good shot on him. Um, <laughs> but the, again, I, I couldn't ever tell you a story of where he was upset and brought it into the building. You just never saw him down. He was always positive. Again, and I know he switched to number three and, and the power of three. This is the third day since Monday night happened. Um, and again, I'm a big, big believer in the prayer. You know, keep praying for him. Um, being surrounded by a, a fantastic medical team, again, our our training staff responding the way the way they did. It, I mean, it all had to be pretty perfect from what we were told mm. for him to have a chance and to know that you know he's going to continue to get better. Um, we had to still keep praying for him, and uh, we just got to get him back here. And another thing, and I love this because we got this just – it was the final part of the press conference. Josh Allen also said, you know, T. Higgins. And he said thought that it was ridiculous that anyone would have put any degree of blame on T. Higgins for what we called – it's a football play, a million-to-one freak occurrence. And that's everybody from knuckleheads on Twitter to guys like Bart Scott that were trying to assign blame in the situation, which is ridiculous. I thought that was really classy from Josh Allen to take that road too. I do too, man. I mean, we talk about these guys being in brotherhood. There's only, you know – so many guys that get a chance to play in the NFL year to year. Right. Um, and then, you know, even the former players, Chuck Smith brought this up, you know, even the former guys, it's a family. And uh, you can't assess blame on a play like that, nor should you. Hmm. Coming up, top three at six, we'll get you caught up on the latest headlines. And we're going to head to Tampa and talk with our buddy Rick Stroud. Is Tom Brady playing or not? <laughs> it's Dukes and Bell. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.